OPN Ask an Angel podcasts are conversations with global angel investors and venture capitalists. We explore how to invest, understanding investment strategies, and approaches to due diligence. Join us and learn what it takes to be a startup or what it takes to invest in the next great company. Thank you very much for joining us today at uh, the Open People Network, or, or as we call it, uh, Ask an Angel. And uh, today we're excited to be able to chat with you, Eric, and learn a bit more about you and, and your business and how you guys invest and all these great things that you guys are up to. So the first thing that we like to kind of start with is if you can share a little bit about your background, kind of where are you from, what you've been doing, uh, kind of career-wise, if you will, and then where you are today. And then one thing about you that nobody will know. Aha. Um, just to be clear, should I uh, um, repeat the question you asked me and then I give the answer? Or how, how does that work? What, what's the format? That... The, the great thing is, is that um, I'm going to say 98% of the time, we mostly forget because we're just having a conversation. Uh, I used to say for sound bites, it works well. But in this case, um, if you do repeat it, that's perfect. Uh, we Again, it works great for sound bites. If you don't remember, it's okay too. We'll just make our way through it all so okay okay perfect so so you ask me a little little bit about ourselves and uh, uh as investors right i just where, where, my, my background where i come from background all right, those great right. things about you and then uh, we'll kind of explore things from there and then one thing about you that nobody would know nobody would know okay nobody <laughs> a few a few people um so yes i'm a tech uh, tech entrepreneur serial tech entrepreneur uh i started i, I first uh, you know started as uh, i studied as an electrical engineer at montreal uh, polytechnic and then i started my first uh, e-commerce company after my first year at university uh so we ran this for 10 years and we were building travel technology uh, platform like competing just at the time where uh, the internet was disrupting travel and Expedia was the big uh, big player so we were empowering the uh, my travel agency to compete with uh, with Expedia essentially um, and then uh, so yeah so so from that uh, and and also because um, uh, it's a complicated story in a short amount of time um, Wait, we, got, else? we got time yeah, we have, so we have an hour, right? Yeah, yeah, take your time. Okay, perfect. Um, yeah, so, uh, and, and also, uh, so we're a family office. Uh, so we invest in technology companies mainly uh, that care about uh, bettering the world. Um, so we've done about 70 investments over the last uh, 15 years. And, uh, and the capital comes from, uh, mainly come from uh, the, the sale of uh, uh, my dad's company, it was called Group LGS. So essentially my dad and I run our, our family office and, uh, and yeah, and so you ask me something that nobody would know. But so something a few people, close friends of mine know uh, is that between selling my first company and becoming involved as an investor uh, as part of our family office. I traveled around the world for three years with only my backpack, not knowing where I was going to go the next day. Uh, so I was just going on 
following a nudge, uh, a hunch, following uh, the unknown and uh, people I was meeting and really being free. You know, after working 100 hours a week for, for years, I, was fi I just finally decided just to, to you know, stop having plans and just follow my intuition, follow my heart. And then I discovered, uh, in order to learn and discover things I could not imagine, um, that was a great, a great need for that. And, and all the, these insights that I learned on this, uh, on this journey uh, forge how, how, I, you know, how we build technology today who we invest with and how we invest. Uh, so learning about, um, you know, so, you know, a, a lot of technology is about innovation. Um, and so what, you know, but in, in truth, innovation really requires self-innovation uh, first. So how to get here, put, you know, remove yourselves from the equation so that you can see the true need, what's really there. And then you just listen listen and feel what's there and then you you, you build a company that uh, service uh, that needs so they can better people's life i love it and uh and i don't say that just because i feel like using the word i love it but what i like about the thing that nobody knows about you is that uh, i follow the same mantra if you will um when i left big business i did the same i traveled well i didn't travel for three years so i would have loved to uh, but I backpacked through Asia for uh, three months and uh, nowhere to go, just no destination. And the great thing that's come out of that is that over the last 15 years, I travel every year, uh, December and January for four to six weeks with one country in and one country out. I have nowhere to stay uh, except for the last couple of years, border security has forced me to start putting in and booking stuff, but I never book anywhere. So I'm on a flight. I have nowhere to land. I have nowhere to go when I land. I have to find a hostel to stay in. I have my backpack and that's it. And I just Amazing. travel. And I've been to over 50 countries and it's because I just explore. And I've in the, I always add in the startup communities. So as I travel, I make connections and I just find people to go visit. But I'm out watching football matches, climbing mountains, seeing, but it's all about having no plan. And the reason I do it is because one, I felt that um, like you is that everything was structured into long days, but everything we do is always by a calendar. So I felt that if I traveled by myself, it would force me to meet people or I would be by myself because mm -hmm. I wouldn't meet people here. It would be my way of forcing myself and don't get me wrong. <laughs> There's weeks where I may not meet people, but that's okay. Other times I force myself to have to talk to people and get to know them. And that's been amazing. I've met so many amazing people around the globe that have the same kind of mindset for travel, but I've also met startups all over the world by doing this. Um, so I love that this is what you did to kind of open up the world. And now you can jump on a plane and go anywhere. And the comfort level of doing that three years ago takes away the insecurities. So if someone said to you, hey, you should go here, you would be like that because you've done it before, it's easy. You don't think twice about it. You're like, yeah, that's easy, grab a bag and go. Whereas other people might go through that pattern of unknowns, what should I do? How do I do this? So it's mm. pretty cool that you've done that. Mm. Amazing, yeah. It really kind yeah. of lines your mind up, right? And it, it makes you feel a little bit more free for that moment that you do get to do that. So I, I kudos, I think it's brilliant. So do you still mm. continue to do that now? 
Well, now with uh, you know COVID, it's uh, so so it's a bit a bit a bit, a bit more difficult. Uh, though I, I was in California last week um, uh, to be, I was on a land. Uh, it was it's a place called the Mushroom Farm, and it's uh, it's an estate that used to be owned by Campbell, where they used to make their mushroom soup. <laughs> oh, okay. And they have like 753 acres. And many years ago, it was uh, purchased by this uh, family office in Canada. And now they're starting to make something out of it. So as a, a regenerative, like it's a, a technology center uh, to design and build, imagine new cultures for regenerative agriculture, energy, social impact. Um, and so they're creating an investment fund, uh, an accelerator. And so the group, I'm part of the Coventina Foundation. And so uh, we're partners of them. And so we spent a week uh, teaching each other stuff, uh, sleeping in a big uh, yurt on the side of the ocean. And uh, so it's amazing. It's about an hour north of San Francisco. So it's really close to Silicon Valley. So it's a great, uh, a great place. So that, that's where I've been the last year. <laughs> Uh, oh, that's awesome. So I, I think one area that I want to touch on or go back to, because I think it always creates a lot of value and, and carries a lot of weight in the investment community, is that you've kind of been through the ringer. You've, you've raised money, you've built your own startup, uh, and now you've, uh, you've sold the company, and now you guys have your own family office. But to go back to the beginning when you were working that 100-hour work week, can you give us a little bit of a, an idea of kind of how you did it? Did you go and you raise funds? Did you go through the same process that you help companies do now today? Um, or did you take a different approach? And how does that look? And how much has that changed since you did it uh, with your first company? Yeah, that's a great question. Because back then, I was 20 years old. Uh, after my first year of university, I was thinking about partying and, and having fun. And so, you know, and, and then we I was, you know, par up partying with a good friend of mine. Was studying in uh, uh, computer engineering. I was studying electrical engineering. I would say, hey, you know, I think the internet is going to be a big thing. Said, oh yeah, have you heard of this? Huh? So we said, so we dared each other to start a business the next day. And so the next day, I called him. Hey, were you serious? Uh, were you serious? And so we met, and uh, we found a name, and then we went to register the company. We had no idea what we were doing. No idea about what we were going to do or anything. So that's not necessarily a path I recommend, <laughs> but uh, that, that's, that's what we did. So um, it's a bit like the type of person I am. I, I, you know, and that's also forging how we invest today is we don't always need to know exactly what, you know, what we're embarking ourselves into. You know, we feel it feels right. And we love the great mystery and to, 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 to meet what's there, uh, you know, then, then we'll do it. Uh, but that said, so we, we started and then eventually, you know, went on and knocked on people's door. And then, uh, you know, eventually we found this company, this tech company that wanted to, to open a, a, an internet branch uh, to, to what they were building. We're building desktop applications. And then they say, hey, so you become our internet branch. And so they started giving us contracts and, and then we said, okay, so how do we make a website? <laughs> Yeah, we had no idea, so we started reading books and, and hacking our way. And so, so the, our first projects, we actually earned five dollars an hour. <laughs> and then after that, we got okay. Now we understand how this works, and we got the right software. And so we started like building a process to be able to to generate more output. But we were studying at the, at the university, you know, very very busy as well. So it was not like a big yeah. 
uh, you know, it, it was it was a few hours a week, and then but then it started working. So 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 by the end of my uh, university, uh, my my engineering degree, um, we 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 went full time into the business, and so and then at that point we realized, okay, we need a business model. We need to know what we're doing. We need to. You know, so we needed to learn. Okay, so what's what's the problem we're trying to resolve? Like, and and who needs what? And and so eventually we met this other company that uh, was building an airline uh, uh, website, and then they had an API from a, a global distribution system called Amadeus, and they had no idea how to do this. And so we say, hey, we know how to do this, and we didn't really know. So so anyway, you started learning. And then, so we, we, we learned and hired a bunch of people. And then that was how we, we, we developed the first version of our uh, online uh, e-travel framework that we, uh, we called it. And then after that, so, so by that time we were, we had the $100,000 in debt. And then we were like, okay, so, so how do we, so it was before the SaaS models. I mean, so, so then we said, how do we make a business model out of this? And, and then, uh, so then we started imagining some of the first SaaS model. And so, okay, so we had a, a big version where, where, where larger travel agencies could pay hundreds of thousands of dollars to acquire the technology and they pay monthly fees. And we had the other ones that were paying a, a smaller amount, but a, a constant amount every, every month plus transactional fees. Which was more a repetitive, you know, repetitive business kind of uh, business model, um, and so by you know at that point, then we started making revenues and started like organizing ourselves and figure out what to do and what we need and how to manage a company, and, and then we raise a bit of capital to help us, you know, go through that until the, the point where we 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 sold the company. Uh, so it was a so yeah, I learned by doing every possible mistakes uh, possible and. Um, and so no, so today we we you know from that experience and and I've had two other businesses afterwards. Uh, yeah, we, we don't recommend that 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 path. <laughs> I think that the the you know the the technology community, uh, entrepreneurial community in around the world is far more. You know, I've learned a lot over the years with the uh, you know uh, a lot of methodologies to develop technology and develop businesses. Uh, and so, you know, back then it was a bit, you know, far west in a way. The internet was just exploding and everybody was doing all sorts of things. Um, but, uh, yeah, so we, we, we've built process and, and, and better understanding over the years. But there are a couple of things that I, I think you can take from that learning that really um, I want to hone in on because I think it gives people that are thinking about building a company uh, – some ideas on how and what they should do because what you actually started off with was in a way it's kind of brilliant because you helped offset your risk. And what I mean by that is that you started a company with a co-founder and you started with no idea, no direction, no anything, but you went in with somebody else. So you mitigated your risk in half and you both force each other to actually go into this business, into this model that you didn't know about and then grow from it, still finished your education, and then dived in fully after that. And I'm sure you were generating some revenue. So before you got to your $100,000 of, of debt, but the point was is that you started to find ways that this would work, and then you expanded and expanded and grew from that. So that learning got you into this space. If you both didn't take that risk, maybe you would have went and did it by yourself, and maybe you wouldn't have actually succeeded because you didn't take choose to take that risk. Um, so your partnership, I think, is... It, that co-partner was really important. Um, and the idea that you just did it, you came up with this concept 
um, that you wanted to be in business, but you hadn't figured out what it looked like or what it was going to be. Again, you went in with two brains, both risking everything. I think that that really opened up that door for uh, an adventure and something exciting to come out of it, as long as you stuck behind it and worked through the problems. Um, and then the third thing was, uh, you saw the opportunity to say you could do something because there was a problem and you were willing to solve it and put the legwork and time in to get it accomplished. Whereas other people might have looked at that and said, no, I can't do something to fix that. Whereas you guys were saying, yeah, yeah, we can fix that problem, no problem. And then jumped in, solved the airline issue. Uh, but it probably took a bit of a few punches along the way, but it was a great learning experience to help you build your company. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and uh, yeah, so I think having a partner really, really helped because, um, you know, you're, you're, you're in it together. Uh, and of course, that brings the other thing is how you manage challenges and how you manage, uh, you know, differences of opinion and, and, and how, you, how you work together as a team uh, and how you leverage everybody's creativity and, 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 and desire. You know, our first employees were working as much as we do. You know, they just loved it. They just loved the opportunities. And they were, we were often, you know, people were sleeping at the office, waking up, going back to work. <laughs> it was, it was, it was a, a, a very cool vibe, you know, of, uh, of creating stuff, not knowing exactly where, where uh, but, but doing it together, you know, I think that's, that's a big part of, uh, of what kept us going. Um, and, and also, you know, it, we, we had all sorts of prototypes of, uh, you know, we, we designed uh, uh, Dropbox before Dropbox existed many, like five, 10 years before, uh, but then it was called X Room. And then we, we were like trying to hack our way and, and it gets, it gets some momentum. But the, as we were, you know, as we, we, we also in this journey, we matured, or we realized we didn't necessarily want to be a, a service-oriented business. So at first, we started this way because we, well, we didn't know anything. So we were just offering some things we were learning as we were going. But as we were learning, we really got uh, the, you know, attracted by uh, building uh, uh, pro products. Uh, and so the transition from uh, being a service business to a product business is a big, it's a big, uh, it's very different. How just how you market yourself, how you you you, you how you take risks, how you you develop uh, the technology. Uh, so yeah, so before we built a travel, which was the number two player in Canada, uh, by the time we sold the company, uh, we um, you know we were. Uh, we, we yeah we tried to to build something like Dropbox. We tried to build something like Microsoft Projects. We tried to build uh, all online, uh, collaborative online technologies. And then we came to realize at some point, but well, what do we know about project management? <laughs> and we realized we didn't know so much about that. And so maybe we should really focus on something that we know, something that we can learn fast, uh, that the others that uh, the other competition doesn't know. And this is where travel which is extremely complicated uh, infrastructures of very old technology built 1960s and 1980s and 90s. And, um, and so there were very few that knew how to do these things. And so we just really focused and built the expertise uh, around that. So as you carry that through to the next companies and to the family office and the things that you're doing now, and you mentioned this a few times, and I'm a big fan of this, and I'm all about de-risking your business so that investors will want to come in. But the key word to de-risking your business is focus. 
and you've mentioned it a few times just in one sentence. So I can imagine how uh, dear hearted this is to you because if you were to be able to get yourself focused enough that uh, you were building out all these other ideas and you were seeing that the Dropbox version wasn't working or this didn't work, and then you really honed it back in and when you focused, you started to probably see way more traction, more value. Uh, you were doing one thing really well. How much has that carried through your other businesses and even now today in your family office, um, how much has that has helped you in what you guys are doing and trying to deliver in the space of um, your investments because of that focus? Mm, that's a great question. And um, yeah, I think focus is, is very important. And I would add to this that no, so what is focused, right? So you, you, we, we can fool ourselves thinking that we're really focused by doing something very specific. But how do we know that this very specific thing is really in need and what is going to become the future? You know, when we build disruptive innovation, one of the big challenges to you need to imagine what's going to become. And so oftentimes we project the reality that we perceive based on what we know, and especially what has created our, our success in the past. Um, and so for me, for, for us, you know, to build a business, it's almost like a, you know, in a way it's a, it's a mythical, mystical experience. It's a, it's an experience of meeting what is, does not yet exist and, and where the, you, you sense the flow of, of society moving so that you can, um, you know, uh, cater or, or offer a product or services that's going to be a value in that future, and for that that for that future to be to be friendly. Um, I mean, you know, we've seen in the uh, you may have seen the the social dilemma documentary um, that you know really precisely, and it's not nothing new really, but it's just so well done how they did it that how that today with AI, it's really, uh, you know, I mean, it's greatly useful, but it has segregated people into their own mind, into their own perspective, where the algorithm is only feeding you what you want to see uh, at a given moment in time. So it freezes people in the past. And, and so when our mechanisms of information delivery are supplying us of information that fulfill the need that we had in the past, very difficult to shape, uh, to shape the future. Um, and so there's a big, uh, for us, uh, mystical component to, to, uh, to, to building a business. Um, and that's the part I really, really enjoy, uh, is to really become that which you want to build. And the thing is focus. So focus is really a, a focus of energy uh, and, and your mind but to be open-minded to, to what you're meeting as you're focusing your energy. Uh, so it's not to be too stubborn or, or, or fix on something too specific, uh, especially at the beginning, but to, be, to get a sense in your heart of what you really care about and to be clear about that. And then to be able to pivot, 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 pivot until you really find something that uh, can bring value. Uh, bring value to yourself as a creator uh, and, and also to the community that you're, that you're serving. Um, and then the, the, the business becomes a bridge between that community that you're serving, that market, and yourself, who you are as an individual. You now, we've met many, many of the, invest the, 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 um, the entrepreneurs we've invested with or that we've talked over the years 
there's this sometimes this belief that they need to do something big. They need to build a unicorn. They need in order to have any any value at all. And for us, we don't we don't care about that. I mean, great if it happens, but I mean, I think sometimes the the obsession of building something that needs that has very specific you know the very specified uh, shape or form parameters or level of success it clouds from meeting what is there in the moment and 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 that specific attitude is we we've discovered over the years that it's really key in order to build something that the world really needs and not just build i think it's the dalai lama that said that we don't need more successful people we need more heart centered people and so, uh, yeah, I like that one. And and I I I wholeheartedly agree again with kind of that the whole transition that you talked through there. And um, I think the key to all of that focus is the end result is that you're bringing value. And I think that value comes from understanding the space you're in. And one thing we look for when we're working with companies that are going to invest in them is that. We want them to be almost psychotic about what they're doing, that nothing really has mattered. Their blinders are on, the, they're so focused on this space. And it's not about that one problem they're solving. It's on the space and the environment around them. And you mentioned that when you are in that state, you can pivot, but you're adopting to the consumer. So as the consumer is changing and buying patterns are changing, you're able to foresee that where it's going to go. And just like a chess, if you can't figure out where that next move is or five moves ahead, you're going to find yourself in a bit of a pickle. And I think that being focused or being um, enlightened to that area, it allows you to better adapt in the situations that can come out of it. Um, and you find that just even from an investment standpoint, uh, being an investment space, more and more and more investment uh, groups are coming in, more funds are coming in, more family offices everybody's an investor. So if you don't start to find that uniqueness or understanding the value proposition that you carry, you start to kind of fade out in what you're trying to deliver um, unless you can stay hold true to your values and provide enough value back. So I do love how you kind of shift through that. So how much of this are you able to work with the startups that you work with to kind of get them through that vision of, Hey, here's where you are today. Your product's great. You're doing a million dollars in sales, but in order to do 20 million, Where's that product going to go? Where are you envisioning your business or envisioning that product? Is there a way to kind of help businesses really understand that? Mm. That's a great question. I'm not sure really. So to your question is how to grow, like from one, once you, you, you get an initial market validation and then you get that traction and that momentum going and this excitement and then the team starts to you know, to, 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 to organize the team and then you, how to get to that next stage. Yeah, how do you take that vision? Like you said, how do you know where you're going to be in five years? That's a hard thing to vision, right? And but that's your success because if you don't work with those buying patterns, you could be a no longer a business in a year and a half. People might decide you're not mm -hmm. working anymore. So how do you yeah. get to really pivot and, and play in the market and continue to learn and grow within their team? Mm. I guess there could be different ways, uh, you know, to approach this. Uh, but a way that we care about is once your your business starts getting momentum, you start being able to be in a position to make a difference, to have influence. And so it's also like, and that goes back to something I was saying earlier: is innovation requires self-innovation. So 
as as your business starts to be able to to influence the market, it's in, it's important to know in what direction is this influence going. Uh, so is it creating? Is it perpetuating? You know the division that that we see in the world, or is it offering a new a new space for 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 your 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 market to come together to to leverage each other? And so, a big, uh, something really important at that point, once you make that that first initial, let's say, dent, or you start making your niche, uh, is to understand what's how, how how does that market work? What are the components, the players, the roles? Uh, where are the flows? What's the flow of energy that feeds that market? Where does the money go? For what purpose? And what, what's the outcome that get creates? And is that outcome, is there a problem? What is the greater problem of that, of that market, of that community? And is it empowering the users and, and those, or, or is it creating segregation and, and, and division uh, between and, and concentrating the wealth in the hands of the few and every time this happens, it creates corruption. Um, and so uh, what are the, the, the minimum triggers that you can press in order to create a new course, a new flow to, to emerge that empowers the mass? Um, you know, that's one strategy, one angle. You could advocate that the exact opposite would be, it would make a more success, a, a, a bigger financial success and you know that, that, and I guess it's a matter of focus and, and what you care about uh, but uh, you know most of the time the investors when the, the, sorry the entrepreneurs we invest with and what we care about is uh, to use technology in businesses entrepreneurial is a fantastic force for change and to use that force to empower humanity to empower to to, to share the wealth and resources because it's only together that we, that we thrive. And with the compounding you know, uh, effects of global warming and all the, the systemic changes this, this uh, creates on the world, um, it creates more and more disbalance. And, and because 1% you know, of humanity owns as much as the lowest 80% of humanity, um, it's very difficult, even though they're well intentions for those in power to, to really be able to understand what the majority is going through, how they live and what's important for them, because they, they kind of benefit from the status quo. They are at the top of the pyramid. So, so we challenge our businesses to, you know, what's the current order and is this healthy? And if you feel it's not healthy, what is a better order? Like to imagine that and to feel it themselves, to live it. Do you believe it? Do you live it yourselves? If you care, often we invest in, in impact-focused entrepreneurs. So they, they care about the world. They've been moved at some point in their life and there's something they want to change. But first they need to live it themselves. And once they start living it and it becomes their own life and they realize their shortcomings and where they have, you know, where they have blind, uh, blind spots, and that they start working on themselves and we help them with that, um, then they start living a different reality. Uh, and I have a teacher that says that, you know, before to, and he use a metaphor of martial arts, he says, before you enter into the ring, you're not entering into the ring to win. You know, you win before you enter into the ring. And from that state of having one, of, of holding that victory inside, then you go and you, you meet your, your, your opponent and then you start dancing or you, 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 you battle 
for whatever art that you're performing uh, and you may win or not at the end, but it doesn't matter because you've done it from that spirit inside of you of having one. Um, and so, um, yeah, I don't know. Does, does that make sense? Oh, that's awesome. And I love that idea that you, and this probably goes, there's an entrepreneur that we work with and invest in and he tells everybody that he wrote a $5 million, I think it's $5 million check or maybe it's 50 million. And he said, this is what, one day I'm going to cash this check. And I wrote this to make sure that I have a goal to go after. Um, and it falls kind of in that winning before you get into the ring. It's knowing right away that if I'm going to get into this match, if I don't go in positive with the right energy and the understanding of the possible outcomes and how I can defeat the problems that I'm going to be faced with, whatever the art is that you're choosing, as you mentioned, but I'm going in with the mindset I'm going to win because at that point is when the challenge will hit. And I have to figure out how to win that challenge. And I, I think that that's brilliant uh, metaphor for how businesses operate that maybe we don't go in with that win attitude. We go in with the, okay, I'm going to think about this or I'm going to try this and not figuring out what that win is. Um, and I, I can see that this being a larger scaled problem because companies will either not find market fit or companies will have great market fit, but don't know how to expand or in the case of the discussion we're having, they don't see what that five-year strategy is going to look like. They don't see where that outcome is. Um, and I think that can be problem mesh to the team because you're getting a whole group of people that are biting into a solution, into a strategy, into the ownership, into the drive of that company. They also want to see where they're driving to. Where are we going today uh, that's going to get us tomorrow? Like, what do we got to do to change? And I can see that being stressful to people if they can't see that um, vision at the end of the road. So it's, uh, I like the way you broke that down and, uh, your sensei is good. He's got some good logic there. I love that. Um, so it, this kind of rolls right into the strategy side of things. So, uh, as you're working and what I liked about the family office and what you guys do is that you're looking at everything from sustainability, which is all long-term planning. So with these, the companies that you're working with, the 17 that you guys have really dug your heels into, um, how much of that is a long-term strategy plan in your overall umbrella of what you're trying to create? Yeah, so, so do you say 17 or 70? Uh, I thought it was 17. Maybe it's 17. No, 17, 17, 70. Oh, man, even bigger. Jeez, that's a lot. It's like, yeah, so that's even better. Oh, amazing. So in that 70... How are you guys envisioning that kind of working in that system of where you're going for longevity? Yeah, so so that's that's a great question. So you know, something that's important for us as a family office to be well networked. Uh, so we love to network with other family offices, uh, with technology groups, uh, with innovators, with people that think outside. Uh, it's the typical outside the box, but that, that think differently. That that live a different reality. Uh, we can learn a lot from a biologist that understand how the equilibrium of nature is, how it's broken and how it's maintained and how it's been, it's been made better. Um, and the world is in a, it's a huge organism uh, of businesses, of people, of different interests, different thoughts, different emotions. Um, and, uh, and, and, and it's, you know, at any given moment, the complexity of it is just increasing, increasing and increasing. Uh, however, we can use all sorts of, uh, metaphors from various different fields. And if we listen and pay attention to people to, and it can be from the, 
you know, I've learned so many things from a homeless person living in the street, living in this rawness of, I don't know if I'm going to eat. I don't know where I'm going to sleep. Uh, it's raining. It's cold. I've been beaten up at the shelter last night. I don't want to go back there. Uh, and they live in such a raw way that most people don't know. You know, we live mostly in our comfort or our stress of economical, uh, you know, uh, we need to, you know, to, 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 we need to make the payroll. And, and of course, these are our, our big stresses and things, but our lives are not at risks. And so uh, for most, most people, so, so we can learn from anybody. And I think that's a great attitude to have as entrepreneurs and for us as investors, you know, we're not like, oh, we, we've done this many times. We know the metrics. We know who we need to become and the path and all the steps. And, you know, and, and then if you do this, you'll be successful. I think that would be a, a dramatic. First, I would bear the, we would bear the, the weight of, of the success of the failure. And we don't, we don't want to do that. Um, and two, how do we know? You know, everything is changing so fast. And so... Uh, our, our, one of our greatest joy, you know, is to see people, uh, uh, entrepreneurs that we support to, to thrive and, and, and to be joyful, to be happy, to learn about themselves and to discover life through, you know, a, a business can take 10 years and a lot of efforts and sacrifices and, and really, you know, most people will do one business, maybe two, a few will do three, four, five and go on the moon and all this, but, but the, the, the truth is this is a, a, a lifetime opportunity to discover yourself, to discover what you care about. And so if you can, you know, open your heart and, 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 um, and really feel who you're becoming uh, and who you're servicing uh, and how that's making a difference, I think that's the right attitude, the right mindset. And so we like ourselves to be, you know, to live that uh, to be the first uh, to, 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 to live that. And so we've developed all sorts of labs and processes that help support entrepreneurs uh, to do that. Um, and, uh, and also we've been uh, um, you know, in contact with people in Canada, the US, uh, different places around the world that have, uh, they're developing technologies and processes that help to listen better, to have a better sense of what's needed and, and then to come together and to uh, leverage technology. Uh, you know, we're, we're getting involved with a, a group called the Coventina Foundation um, that is building a, uh, a blockchain type of infrastructure, it's something called Holochain. And that is at least a hundred million times uh, cheaper to operate than uh, Ethereum, which is the, the most, uh, the, the number one blockchain uh, infrastructure. Um, and, and one of the reasons they really, they've mimicked, they studied for years how nature works. And then they, 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 they coded, uh, how nature works in, in, and, and doing so they can be so far more, uh, so much more efficient in how they build the technology. And, and, uh, instead of putting this in a private corporation and, you know, become a, a, a hundred times a unicorn, <laughs> They decided to make this an open source uh, technology and opening uh, and opening up to humanity, so that you can humanity can leverage this technology and and improve the lives and uh, of, of everybody in the planet to create a decentralized and distributed economy um, that uh, empowers everyone. 
Um, so just an example, yeah. So so really, in a short answer, you know, uh, to to learn, to be humble, and to uh, to meet like you, you know, meet meet people, think people, and and get to know uh, those that you don't know, so that I can learn something new. And and the challenge is constantly to to redefine your own viewpoint of how to invest, because you know, if you have a very specific recipe and you reply that recipe, you can make a lot of money. Uh, but what's the outcome of that recipe? Is it really working? Is it really helping humanity? And we care about learning new things as well. So, um. I love it. Well said. And and I I love the the idea that you can explore a lot of different spaces and then feel that what fits best to make an investment or to drive you forward it fits inside of your philosophy and your your uh, uh, overall thesis. But at the end of the day, you got to get out there, meet lots of people and learn about them. Um, have your strategy, however you want to go, figure your next five years on where you need to be, have a target, but it's going to morph and change as you go. And the great people that meet in between are going to help morph that theory, in theory, where you want to go. Love it. All right. Well, we're going to jump into rapid fire questions. And then I do have uh, maybe one, one more question. And then we're going to dive into kind of a quick personal side of things to make it more fun. So rapid fire questions. Are you ready? I am ready. All right. What's your favorite part of investing? Uh, discovering. I like it. How many companies do you invest in per year? Uh, between five and 10. Done. Any verticals you'd like to focus on? We care about the environment, uh, energy, social impact, um, anything that can work, make the world uh, a better place. Almost like AGS or the systems that are governance and uh, social and impact, all that. Beautiful. Love it. Yep. Uh, timelines for investment? Uh, from looking at, what do you mean timelines? Yeah, just like that. Looking from a company to start to investing. Oh, yeah. Um, so anywhere, so our timelines for investing anywhere between one to four months, depending on company's maturity, where they're at. And, uh, and sometimes we, we've waited a year and then this became some of our best investment. They were, you know, just a company sometimes just, there's a, 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 a sorry, it's a short, uh, I need to short answer. So <laughs> sometimes they need maturity. Hey, I like it. You can expand. Uh, outside of uh, your regular DD requirements, is there anything else you look for when you're making an investment into a company? A team members, CEOs, uh, diversity, is there anything that you really look for to make that investment? Sorry, outside of what? Outside of your typical DD, your, your uh, due diligence that you would uh -huh. do. Uh, but I, I'd say, that, you know, part of our due diligence is uh, what the company's about. Uh, is it answering a real need that's gonna help the world become a better place? Um, who's the team? Uh, why do they do this? Uh, where's their passion coming from? Where's their skill level? And um, how much can we learn? And, and also how can this, in, this new investment that we're considering, how can it synergize the previous investments we've made? Like it. Uh, do you look to lead rounds? Uh, we can lead rounds. Do you have preferred terms? Perhaps shares, common shares, debt? Uh, it really depends on, on the situation and the context. So we're flexible to the need of the business um, as long as it makes sense and it builds a, a long-term relationship with the, with the entrepreneurs. 
Okay. Do you do board seats? We do board seats, yes. Uh, follow on investment percentage? Yeah, we, we do. Um, I'd say, you know, when, when the business goes well, uh, probably we follow each time. Uh, but um, I don't know, the, I wouldn't know a percentage. Okay. Uh, outside of that, those are the rapid fire questions. Is there one company that you really want to emphasize that you really like that's doing some great things? One or two companies you want to share? Talk about? Um, yeah, so I can speak about, let's say, social.mom, and I can speak about... Um, I can speak about a Coventina Foundation. Uh, so do you have something specific you'd like me to uh, no, say? I'm curious, so, just, uh, just a company, just a reference of a company that you think is up and coming uh, and okay. you like, that's pretty much it. So social.mom, yeah. social what was the other one? Social.mom, which is a, a social network for mothers, uh, helping them uh, uh, address um, loneliness, economic uh, uh, stress, and, and then health. Um, and the other one is a Coventina Foundation, which uh, is leveraging the whole chain infrastructure to um, uh, create uh, a, a new uh, economic infra resilient economic infrastructure uh, in a distributed, decentralized way uh, around the world. Awesome. Well, I'm going to have to get you a link on those two. Uh, I, I, they sound both sound very exciting. Um, okay, so the next, the next, the last big question, if you will, is in the time that you've been working with startups, investing in startups, I'm always looking for that great, exciting story of uh, it could be tragedy turned to awesomeness or just something that just blew your mind away about the perseverance or the great things that entrepreneurs can do. And just, uh, you know, she was able to take a business from nothing and grow it, or he was able to stop the, uh, a break of X and forced Y, like anything that you just have that just resonates as a really cool story that uh, people would want to hear about a company that uh, you invest in or you're familiar with. Sorry, can you, I, I'm not clear. Uh, a success story? A story of, a, of an entrepreneur that maybe mm. couldn't find their way, were losing money, COVID hit and they found their way, they raised a million dollars. So now they're doing 10 million in revenue. It could be anything. It's just more of a, um, a heartfelt story of someone uh, overcoming barriers to, sh to prove that they had a business so that they could succeed. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we had a, a, a business that, uh, you know, their, their model was to acquire users um, and the more, and then monetize later. Um, uh, and then, uh, that's typically in that, that industry, the model that they had. And then, uh, you know, so they were growing, growing, growing in terms of users, uh, but then COVID hit and then it became like the question how, so how are you going to monetize? And then it says, well, we're not thinking about monetizing right now, but then, you know, you're out of money and then COVID's there and then it's affecting the model. So, uh, everybody's, you know, uh, ho holding their breath and let's wait and see what happens. And so they, they said, okay, so. How, how do we, so let's monetize. Uh, and then, uh, uh, so they, they, they looked at who would be in, in synergy of the community that has been built. Uh, and so they found uh, three, uh, three ideas and then explored them. And then within, uh, within a month, 
Uh, they had found that two of these ideas were not working. One was working, ultimately did not work, but a fourth one worked. And, uh, and within uh, six months of the COVID, they reached from zero to a million dollar of revenue, recurring revenue. And, um, and, and that's propelling the company. And now they are able to finance through their financial partners, they're able to uh, finance the acquisition of users 15 to one. So it caused them, they make 15 times more money than it, than, than it caused them to acquire users. So if COVID would not have hit, then they would have continued with what they were doing before. And, and now we don't, the company never needs to, to raise any money because uh, it, it's generating so much money that uh, it can acquire all the users that they want. Now we'll see what, what happens in the future. But uh, that, that's, that was a very inspiring, um, you know, uh, for me to witness and to hold space for somebody who is like suffering and, and going through these challenges and that stress and the, the weight, right? Uh, it's, it can be very heavy for an entrepreneur to have the weight of all the investors that came in and, and all the expectations that are there and you want to do well um, and sometimes to have, um, yeah, to, 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 to have somebody tells you, look, it's okay. Whatever happens we're, we're we love you anyway, <laughs> it, it helps to create space and distance and then, and then Eureka comes. So I guess that'd be an advice I, I have is, is care for your investors. Um, but make sure you are happy doing what you're doing. And if you're not happy, you need to change something. Uh, because your happiness is what's going to get through and, and it's going to be creative and, and, and what your users want. They want that through the products that you build. They want to feel that happiness. That's awesome. I love the, the kick butt stories where they just figure it out and it works and it's good. I know there's a lot that don't get that opportunity all the time, uh, but when you're pushed to the brink and you got to figure it out, I love when, the, when an entrepreneur can just make it happen. So that's awesome. Yeah, sometimes when the, 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 the S hit the fan, you know, there, there are people that are going to crawl in little balls and then, and then wait and ask, please save me. Yep. And then the others are going to say, okay, what can I do? And, uh, and sometimes we're, we're a little bit of both, uh, which is fine. But uh, uh, that was the, uh, an example of the latter experience. Agreed. Okay, so now we've got uh, three quick questions. And uh, they're, they're the personal side to follow into that one thing that nobody would know about you. So uh, first, what's your favorite sports team? Uh, um, I'd say the Montreal Canadiens. All right, fair enough. At least you didn't say Toronto Maple Leafs or something. <laughs> you had to hang up and be like, are you sure you're from Montreal? <laughs> uh, well, that's a good team, so I like that. All right. And uh, your favorite movie and which character would you play in that movie? Mm. Favorite movie is a movie that, well, it's a story really. And, and the new movie has been delayed by 10 months. I'm a bit upset by Dune. And so I'd love to be Duke Leto Atreides. Okay, sorry, what was the movie? Dune. Oh, Dune. Dune, yeah. Okay. They've made two movies already that were more or less good qualities, but the story is just absolutely amazing. Uh, it's uh, from a, a book from Frank Herbert in 1950s. Yeah. Um, well, he did it as a comic book or did it as a, a drawing book, correct? Uh, maybe there was a version with it as a drawing book, but I read it as a, as a novel. 
Okay, so yeah, I think the way it originally started was he did it as a comic book style and it competed with the, or at one point it competed with Star Wars because as Star Wars was being, was coming out later on, uh, they couldn't get people to carry or pick it up or something. And then they turned it into, I think it was a written material. And yeah, it was, uh, I saw, I think it was a documentary at TIFF on this. Okay, okay. And uh, I got to remember the, the name of it, but it was very cool. So, uh, yeah, it's pretty exciting. So, which character would it be? Yeah, so Duke Leto Atreides, which is a great, for me, is a great metaphor of an entrepreneur. Uh, somebody who, who has a certain context based on his family, inherited a lot of wealth and responsibilities, um, and needs to battle all, all the odds to transform his consciousness in ways he couldn't imagine, transcend his animal fears. Fear is a mind killer. I must let the pass, let, let the fear pass. Uh, so only I will remain, uh, which is really a motto I was telling myself as I was uh, uh, in my first entrepreneurial uh, experiences. When you're, I don't know if I can make the payroll. I need to find a hundred thousand dollar next week, <laughs> and then somehow things happen. So, so it's a great inspiration uh, for me of uh, uh, playing against the odds and sensing what what is about to come. Uh, that is not just based on, on, on what happened in the past and uh, a lot of what I shared in, in today's interview. Oh, that's awesome. I'm, I'm already got the page open and I'm diving into uh, uh, the characters and everything. So I, I love the metaphor and, and uh, that is very cool. I'm going to find you that documentary and send it to you because I know okay, that thank you. I saw this somewhere on it and it was uh, absolutely amazing. So, but um Overall, uh, Eric, I want to thank you very much for your time today. I learned a lot. I love, as I always do, I take lots of notes. Uh, I guess it's a bad habit when I listen, I got to take notes. Um, but uh, big fan. Uh, I love all the things you're doing. I like the theory that you're behind and the thesis that you're working behind. So it's brilliant. Uh, keep it up. And uh, the way we like to end the show is we leave the last word for you. So anything you want to say to the entrepreneurs out there or to an investor, the investor community, I leave it to you, but the floor is yours. And again, thank you very much for all your help today and, and sharing. Mm, thank you so much, Jeffrey. I'm really looking forward to the, the event tomorrow. So it'd be nice to meet some of the businesses that you're, you're bringing on board. Uh, so yeah, I mean, in all my words, just have fun, you know, enjoy what you do. And if you stop enjoying yourself, uh, ask yourself, what's the simplest thing you can change uh, to, 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 to enjoy it? I mean, uh, through your joy and creativity, uh, your heart will open and, and then you'll be able to hear uh, those that you, you seek to help. Um, so uh, enjoy yourself. I love it. I love it. You do. Find the happiness. And when you do, just keep trying to build it, grow it, and give back and help other people while you're doing it. Absolutely. Well, Eric, again, thank you very much for your time today. And I uh, look forward to having you join us tomorrow. But uh, without, without uh, great people like you out there pushing the line and, and helping entrepreneurs, I think it'd be a lot tougher. So I'm glad that uh, we got to connect and I got to learn something. So thank okay. you. Thank you so much, Jeffrey. It was really a pleasure. And uh, kudos on what you're building here. It's amazing. Love your energy. And looking forward to meet you tomorrow. 100%. Thank you, sir. Okay. Thank you. Goodbye. Ciao. Oh, that was awesome. So... Man, Eric shared so many cool things. So uh, I love the fact on Dune and I'm still going to check out the Dune 
component to it for sure. But I loved his last message, man. Be happy what you do. I know we all find it tough when uh, life's tough, but we got to look for the things that really uh, gear us up and get us interested in what we do. Uh, find the problem, find some focus. Uh, you know, even the whole point about the co-partner and having the, the risk deferred, deferred because you've got two people. Um, figure out where you want to be in five years and try to go towards that target. You're going to pivot, but at least you got that vision on where you want to go and, and figure out, uh, you know, that you're going to win before you get in the market. Nobody wants to start a business that they know it's not going to win. So figure out how you're going to get there and do it. So love the input was awesome. You guys have a great day and thanks again for uh, tuning in.